Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Challenge podcast. My name is Challen, and this week I'll be assessing the standouts of game week two, my team for the week, some brief wildcard chatter, and then I'll give my thoughts on my plans for game week three. Stay tuned. we're back and game week two has just finished and it's the first game week first full game week of the season with the Manchester teams Burnley and Aston Villa back in the mix and with all the hype and expectation around the Manchester clubs and transfers that were being made to, to accommodate them to get them in we were left with a rather entertaining game week with many goals, some very strange score lines, and somehow none of the exciting Man United attackers got any of those goals. Thank goodness, for, to me at least. All right, uh, let me break down my game week before I talk about the other teams etc um, I finished up on a 71 points which for me is pretty good um, much better than what I was expecting to be honest when I went into the game week and compared to previous seasons it's pretty good I usually over the last two or three seasons I've started off well in game week one and then fallen off the wagon a bit in game week two. But it's good to see that I've managed to keep a high score in the second week. And hopefully I can continue that going forward. But now that I've said it, I've probably jinxed myself. Anyway, uh, like most people, I went into the game week captaining Abamyang. Uh, Captain Abamyang against West Ham, expecting marvelous things and unfortunately didn't quite get it i got an assist and to be fair i'm i'm content with it uh i would have preferred a more explosive return which i'll get to soon but at least i didn't captain my vice captain which was mo salah he only got three points other big performers in my team were mitrovic against leeds Watching the game, I was very worried because it was one-way traffic for quite a while with Leeds dominating Fulham. And then out of nowhere came Mitrovic with his penalty and then his big header late on. Could have easily gotten a hat-trick as well. So for his price point, I'm quite happy. And he, even despite being on the losing team, he still managed to get the three bonus points as well, which bodes well for him as an asset going forward. Next biggest scorer, or I also had, was James Justin and Trent Alexander-Arnold from Liverpool. They got seven apiece, solid returns from them. And 
this week compared to last week, I made a good decision with my rotating fullbacks and picked the one who scored the most. This week I chose Justin, he got seven points, whereas Kyle Walker-Peters on my bench got an assist and got three points, and Tyreek Mitchell got an assist against United and got five points. So I'm glad I got that decision right. And then comes the one decision that I had to really think about the most. And as you well remember, it's the one thing that I mentioned at the end about my potential move for last week. And that was to potentially get a Man United asset in for Son Young-min due to his bad performance in game week one, or Spurs' bad performance in game week one, rather. And I cannot tell you how much deliberating I put into that. And at the end of the day, I opted to stick to what I have been doing over the last few years, and that is to save this, save the transfer in game week one and then potentially use two in game week three. And thank goodness I did. Four goals from Son. And... I honestly couldn't be happier. I watched the first couple of minutes of the match and saw when Southampton scored and immediately got rather upset because I had Kyle Walker-Peters on my bench first sub and he got the assist and Ings scored. So that it just didn't bode well after seeing Everton play against them last week. I just... I stopped watching, quite frankly. And then slowly but surely, I was getting notifications on my phone. Son goal, Kane assist. Son goal, Kane assist. And the more they came through, the more I thought, surely this is the same goal. And like the app is just bugging out on me. And amazingly, when I checked, he had scored a quad. So... That was an amazing 24-point haul there. Um, fantastic for me. Basically, I guess that was the difference between me getting just below the average and ending up on the 71 that I ended up on. I cannot be upset that I didn't captain him because I did not even consider it. Like, he was, he was literally on the chopping block. And, yeah... So I'm very gladly going to take those 24 points. And it's even more sweet knowing that people took him out and put it into United assets because obviously that bodes well for me going forward. All right. Um, looking at the fixtures and the results for this last game week, uh, the teams that I was impressed by were... Much like last week, now that we have a little bit more data, getting to see our teams are actually jelling together and those that aren't. And beating Spurs last week and then following it up this week were Everton. Once again, attacking display, fantastic. Those new signings and Dominic Calvert-Lewin finishing like a poacher in the box of the highest order. Uh, it left me wondering at a stage whether it was whether Everton were 
good or if West Brom are just bad. And I'm not too sure because based on Carlo Ancelotti's post-match comments, it seems like he wasn't that happy with the performance leading up to the first goal. And even after that, the response, he wasn't that happy with it until like mid-second half. So I'm going to say it was a good performance, but does this make Everton world beaters? I don't think so. I think it flatters them a little bit. But with a new team like this, with new signings, this kind of form, it's good to get these kinds of results. Uh, the second team I was impressed by was, again, same as last week, Leeds United. And very much the same with Everton. Very similar thoughts. They were good. Goal scoring against a team that looks like they're bound for relegation. Very similar to West Brom. So, again, asking myself whether they were good or if Fulham were just that bad. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa, post-match, was talking about how they won't be able to maintain this kind of goal-scoring form over the season because of it just not being practical, I guess, because like so far they've hardly, they haven't created that many chances or that many goal-scoring opportunities. But despite that, they've managed to score three goals in their first two games, or three or more. So again, they're doing very well to convert at this stage, but there will come a time when they don't. So I'm a bit more weary to invest in them as opposed to Everton at this stage. But it's good to see Leeds winning, and I think it bodes well for their season, provided that they can actually maybe tighten up that defense a bit at some stage because they're going to need to grind out the result, those results as well. The next impressive team was, for me at least, Leicester. Leicester following up from last week and managing to beat Burnley, who are playing their first game this season. They managed to beat them 4-2. And once again, okay, last week they played West Brom and beat them comprehensively away. But this week playing Burnley, 4-2, uh, goals. Leicester score goals. They play good football. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to be improving even more once James Madison is back. And once they get their settled back line back as well with Johnny Evans and some of the new signings. The next teams that I thought were impressive were, okay, once again, uh, it shouldn't need to be said, but the, the title contenders in Manchester City and Liverpool, you, you expect them to be a step above the season as in the past few seasons as well. And yeah, once again, they proved exactly that. Uh, even on a not so good day or not the best day. And with Chelsea just imploding themselves, uh, Liverpool managed to get a 
simple one in the end, to be honest. Manchester City, on the other hand, playing their first game of the season. Away to Wolves, who have been quite a bogey team for them of note over the last season or so. They played them on the first week last season too, as far as I remember. And this time, they got a comprehensive 3-1 win. Very impressive. Although, good signs for Wolves. Uh, after the first half, they played very well. Had couple of very good chances to get back into the game and I think it really does bode well for them heading into a very good run of fixtures now and a team that I think is a bit of a sleeper amongst in terms of fantasy and just overall at the moment and that's Crystal Palace very surprising um, they managed to go to Old Trafford this weekend and pull a Roy Hodgson and beat them 3-1 and fantastic I must say and that's after last week's performance where they managed to beat Southampton as well so very impressive for them Wilfred Zaha out of position midfielder who's playing up front again looks like he's starting to get his groove back they've got some good fixtures coming up and I think it could be some good results in in store for them we'll have to see and next we're going to move on to the teams that I wasn't impressed with uh, I think based on what I've already said you, you kind of know where I'm going with this but West Bromwich Albion were poor once again uh, it's two game weeks in and they're already conceding goals for fun. Their manager got a red card. Uh, the only good thing about this team is, how do you say his name, Matias Pereira. Star player definitely for them. But besides that, they're without a doubt a target at the moment, especially for if you're looking for fantasy returns, which I'll get more into a bit later. Next team is definitely Fulham, very similar. And as mentioned last week, they play a very boring style. It's very possession-based, very slow possession-based. They try to kill you off with possession and by the, hoping that by the time you the team just gives up, then they go and they score a goal hoping to win the game. And we saw how that can't work very well this past weekend where they played a team that they played last season in the championship with that same tactic. They bring it into the Premier League this season. And despite having, I think, 65% possession in the game, they still had to end up clawing back. And they were down, well, I mean, they lost 4-3, but they were that scoreline definitely flatters Fulham because they were down, I want to say, 3 3-1 at one stage and then 4-1 and then 4-3 at the end but yeah uh, the only good thing again for them is the talisman striker in Mitrovic they need to they need to feed him in order to score goals and if they don't do that they're not going to score goals and they're going to get relegated the next team that once again mentioned it last week that I'm worried about them defensively and they proved it this week 
by not changing their tactics when it was exploited initially, and that's obviously Southampton. Playing that high line against a Spurs attack of Kane and Son, you'd think that you would learn after the second goal that Son scored on the break, but no. And I understand that some coaches do have their tactics and philosophies that they want to instill into teams but again I think there's a time and a place when you need to make that decision to make a change if you're looking to keep yourself in a game or get a result so going forward they look pretty good as we saw with the Kyle Walker-Peters assist and Danny Ings' goals but you can't keep shipping four every week that easily which they probably won't, but it's not a good sign at this stage, fantasy-wise, especially for their defense. All right, uh, so far, that's what we're looking at in terms of this past game week. Before we head into the talk about potential wild cards and plans for the game week, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get back to you shortly. Right, we're back. And let's move on to some wildcard talk. There's a lot of talk in the community about potentially wildcarding in game week three. And some people were planning it pre-season and others are moving as a result of what I guess they're seeing so far. Or due to their decisions in game week two that have not worked and are now trying to make up for it, I guess. Uh, not that I'm one to really give advice on this matter, but when it comes to a wild card, my personal opinion is, uh, especially for this season, we don't know as much as we would usually at this stage because teams usually have played more games in preseason. And they've gelled more as a team. They've had time in practice and coaching fitness and drills, etc. before the season starts. Whereas this season, that's not the case. The season finished abruptly. Some teams had like two or three weeks off. I know they're supposed to have, I think, a minimum of one month off. But yeah. So... So far, based on these first two game weeks, what have we seen? We've seen a lot of honestly crazy results. Lots of goals, lots of randomness that you wouldn't expect to usually see at this stage of the season. And based on that, I personally, I, there's no way to, to predict how it's going to happen. Again, I mean, last week we had a hat-trick from Mo Salah. Uh, this week we had a hat-trick from uh, Calvert-Lewin, hat-tricks from a quad from Son. It's just all over the place at the moment. Uh, so in terms of teams not having played much in preseason, there are teams that, that, that were playing 
almost the same team for week upon week last season in those final game weeks because they were doing well, like Man United. They were playing the same team every week, basically, to get those results so they could get to the top four. And then they still played Europa League as well. And you can see that that team has, they've had a, they've had quite a bit of a break since the end of the season, but they haven't been playing together as a group since then, or not long enough at least. So the fact that they lost to Crystal Palace this past weekend doesn't surprise me. And it probably did factor into my thinking in not getting them in. As for teams that haven't had time to gel yet, personally, I, well, I look at a team like Chelsea where we've made signings and some of them are fit enough to play, so we're throwing them into the team, but others aren't in the starting 11 yet. So in terms of all playing together as a unit and getting that team, the, the philosophy or the tactics that Frank Lampard wants them to have, they haven't gotten that groove yet, which is entirely fine. So that, to me, is a reason why I haven't overly invested in them either. In terms of the top top teams being the Pools and the Man Cities, they've been totally unaffected because they are they are settled teams basically. Yes, Man City have lost a couple of players, but those managers have been in, at the club for a long time. They've got the the ethos of the club revolves around what they want to do. They've always been ready to play whenever. So even despite Man City not having a lot of time or missing game week one, they've slotted in last night against Wolves and they've just picked up basically where they left off against a good team. And Liverpool, just they're, they're Liverpool. Last week, they scored goals for fun against Leeds in a very entertaining game. And this week against Chelsea, it was a good game until Christensen decided to rugby tackle. But again, you expect those two teams to be very good. Um, what I would say is that if you're considering a wild card, that's fine. And sometimes it's even good to look at your team and think, hmm, do I need to wild card? Is it a good time to wild card? But the question you should ask yourself is, are you or are there five or six minimum changes that you need to make to your team in order to improve it? And if the, if the answer to that is no, then you shouldn't be wildcarding because you can easily fix that with one or two hits and a couple of free transfers. A wildcard is a very important uh, chip that we can use to set us up properly for the rest of the season or at this stage, the next half season. Because it's still early on, because we only have two weeks of data and because teams are still getting used to everything, I think it's a good idea to hold on to it for now at least. And another reason why one should do so is because heading into the season, you've more than likely chosen your team for the short to medium term. So a lot of teams have looked at bringing the 
Mo Salah's and Aubameyang's in for the first couple of game weeks. And then they were probably going to be looking to get KDB or one of the Man United players in their teams. And that was a good, uh, still, a, it's a good, good strategy. And then the rest of the team was probably looking at more longer-term fixtures because you were looking to maybe only switch your big hitters around if you're going to be doing the upside chasing strategy. And therefore, you're looking at the first six to eight game weeks. So therefore, just because the first two weeks of results haven't necessarily gone your way because of the unpredictable nature of this, what I'm going to call the pre-season of the FPL season at least, uh, doesn't mean that you should now abandon that strategy or your thoughts that you all the time and effort you put into planning just so you can wild card and get the teams that have been scoring well. Trust your decision making. Don't chase points. Wise words that I should probably listen to myself sometimes. All right, enough about wild cards. Uh, looking ahead to this game week, I have two free transfers in the bank and I already used them on Saturday night. Full disclosure. <laughs> uh, yes, Saturday night, uh, I decided to remove Aubameyang and Callum Wilson and I ended up getting, or oh, yes, I ended up getting Kevin De Bruyne and Calvert Lewin. I got KDB because, as I mentioned, the top two teams are hardly affected by any of this un unpredictable nature so far. So I do trust them more. And with City's upcoming fixtures, it just looked like a good idea. Yes, it was a bit of a risk to, to get them before having watched the Wolves game. But I'm glad I did because they didn't look off the pace whatsoever last night. De Bruyne doing well. And once again, I went with him because he's on penalties. So hoping for the best against Leicester. As for Calvert-Lewin, I went with him because Newcastle are very much a Jekyll and Hyde team under Steve Bruce. I like them. I think they have potential, but as we saw this weekend, it's not, I don't think it's a wise strategy to have a double up of them. And I already have St. Maximin on my bench this week. So I'm going with Calvert Lewin for his fixtures and for his current form. I'm hoping that they can maintain it. And I feel it's a decent, we can, I'm not even going to call it a gamble. I think it's a decent ploy heading into the coming game weeks. I am considering a minus four this week. And honestly, it depends on the team news that I get. Uh, I won't reveal what it is, but I'm considering a minus four. But we'll have to see. <laughs> I'm not too sure whether I should do it or not, but who knows? 
might decide to live a little and make that change or not. My captain this for this game week is a very tough one. I personally think that there is a the potential for a big point swing overall this week because they are up to four captaincy options that I think realistically, maybe even five, that could score big. And that's Kevin De Bruyne against Leicester at home. That's Timo Werner against the Whipping Boys themselves, West Bromwich Albion. Salah against Arsenal at home. Son against Newcastle at home. And maybe even Calvert-Lewin or James against Crystal Palace away. Personally, I, I don't think it'll be Calvert-Lewin because Crystal Palace are in pretty good form, as I mentioned earlier, sleeping team, doing very well. But I think there's potential for goals there. Uh, Son against Newcastle, who knows with both those teams, really. Steve Bruce's Jekyll and Hyde, Newcastle, and Jose Mourinho's Spurs, they are totally unpredictable at this stage. But if you're willing to gamble, just like this past week, it might pay off. Salah versus Arsenal, to me, it could go both ways. It's Salah at home, which is usually a bang on for a return, but it is against an Arsenal team that has been very, very good defensively under Arteta. And I think the main thing for me that might sway my decision-making over here is whether Tierney is back fit for the next game at centre-back, because I think someone else filled in there this past game because he wasn't fit. And if that's the case, if he is fit, then I might not captain him. If he isn't, then maybe I will. Kevin De Bruyne speaks for himself against Leicester at home. Good team. That's just, to me, it's probably the safest captaincy choice this week. I think most people will captain him. And the final choice is Timo Werner against West Brom. It's the team with the worst goals conceded stats, XG, against Chelsea. And the only thing that's putting me off, like I want to captain him because he's he's played very well in the first two game weeks. Unfortunately, he didn't score a goal. Could have got an assist in the second game as well for winning the penalty like he did in the first game. But... And he had some very good chances in that in both games. But the only thing that's worrying me is that Chelsea are, I think, if I remember correctly, they were last for chances or XG from open play. That's expected goals, by the way, expected goals from open play. And they were the last for expected goals on the, or expected shots in the box. And, yeah, chances created. So, I mean, that's understandable because our goals last week came from the penalty spot and from a absolute beast of a goal from 
James and then the corner and then nothing this week so it's it's a tough one this week so we'll have to see um we'll have to see as i said big points potential swing so i hope that i make the right decision and i hope you do too and i'm going to end it here and i wish you all the best for your game week and hopefully next week we'll be speaking about our collectively good results goodbye from me and have a good week <laughs>